Amen. You may be seated. Well, thank you so much, worship team, for leading us in that uh, powerful worship this morning. I want to open my uh, message this morning by reading for us from Psalm 2, powerful, timely psalm from King David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron, and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear, and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Friends, if there was ever a time when we needed to be reminded of these realities, it is today. And if there was ever a book of the Bible that affirmed these realities, it is the book of Daniel. And if there was ever a story in Daniel that taught us how to live in light of these realities, it's the passage we are going to look at today. King David declares here in Psalm 2, why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? You know, we look around our world today and it's clear that as God's people, we can relate to the Hebrews who were carried off into exile in Babylon in 605 B.C. when King Nebuchadnezzar laid siege against Jerusalem and carried God's people away. They found themselves in a foreign land, a, an unfamiliar place. And, and just like those Israelites 2,600 years ago, we too find ourselves living in a foreign land, a, a hostile culture. We, we find ourselves in a modern-day Babylon, a place that does not honor God or acknowledge him or praise him. We see this on the global scene. We see it nationally. We see it even in our own state, sadly. The reality of nations raging and plotting in vain against the ways of God. Even here in Minnesota, our own state government at the beginning of this new year, their first set of agenda items were creating a new queer caucus. The first time in the state's history. After that, they went about championing the, the PRO Act the most radical abortion legislation in the United States of America. Abortion legislation that will legalize abortion in our state all the way up through 40 weeks, partial birth abortion. Minor girls will no longer have to inform their parents. Babies who are born after a botched abortion will be left to die or euthanized. This is barbaric. Our government shakes their fists at God. After passing the PRO Act, the next item of agenda in our state's government is to pass a bill outlawing conversion therapy, 
which would criminalize pastors and counselors from seeking to help people who are wrestling with their gender identity. People who are seeking to live faithfully and honor God, even in some parts of the nation and in Canada north of us, even praying for people in these situations has been now criminalized. They're seeking to pass this kind of legislation here in the, here in the state of Minnesota. This spring, the Minnesota Board of Education is expected to pass new teaching license standards. Teaching license standards that will require all of our teachers to affirm, support, and promote ungodly philosophies like critical race theory, gender ideology, all forms of sexual orientation. Friends, we need to be praying for our Christian teachers. These things are all taking place today. That's just here in Minnesota. And we could talk about example after example all around the country. And so again, when we talk about the reality of living in Babylon, this is where we find ourselves today. An unrecognizable foreign land with a culture and values hostile to what God has revealed to us in his word. And this is why it's so important that we study God's word and we study books like the book of Daniel because as we saw last week, the book of Daniel reminds us that in spite of our life in Babylon, there is a God who is sovereign over all these things. There is a God who is holy, whose sanctity will not be mocked. There is a God in heaven who is supreme, who will one day judge this world of its sin and wickedness. And this same God is also a God of amazing grace, as we just sung about this morning. While his holiness will not be mocked for all who turn to him and seek his face and repent of their sins and seek to follow him faithfully in righteousness, God honors that. And God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into this world 2,000 years ago to forgive sinners and to show them life and life abundant. And all of that's available through God's amazing grace when we trust in Jesus Christ. And so while we find ourselves living in these dark days, I was, I was just reminded of this this week. I was reading about J.R.R. Tolkien's uh, books about uh, uh, the Lord of the Rings and the return of the king. And, you know, and I was reading about the darkness that descended from Mordor and was taking over Middle Earth. And I remembered thinking, man... Does that not describe our culture today? The darkness spreading. And how do we live in light of these realities? How do we live faithfully as God's people in the midst of these kinds of circumstances that we see going on in our culture today? Well, Daniel has a lot to share with us about living faithfully in times like these. If you remember from last week, the, the story of the book of Daniel takes place beginning in 605 B.C. When, when the nation of Israel came under God's sovereign judgment at the hands of Nebuchadnezzar, the, the emperor of Babylon. And the emperor of Babylon laid siege to the people of Judah and took them away into captivity. And Daniel is the book of God's people, and specifically Daniel, this young man, this, this Hebrew, this, this Jewish teenager who was carried off into captivity. And today, we're going to see how Daniel sought God and how he chose to live faithfully in light of the dark culture that he found himself in. 
Let's take a look at our passage this morning. It's Daniel chapter 1, picking up in verse 3 through 21. I want to read our passage this morning, then I want to come back, and I want to share some lessons that we find in our passage this morning, lessons for exiles, lessons for people like us who find ourselves living in a hostile culture. Daniel has a lot to teach us this morning. Daniel chapter 1, verses 3 through 21. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance, and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, and learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace, and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. Now again, remember... Nebuchadnezzar has laid siege to Jerusalem. He's conquered Jerusalem. Now his next step is I'm going to take some of the prime youth of Israel captive, hostage, bring them to Babylon, and train them in our ways. We're going to talk more about that in a moment. Verse 5, the king assigned them a daily portion of food that the king ate and the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belteshazzar, Hananiah he called Shadrach, Mishael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who, I fear the lord my king who assigned your food and your drink, for why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel said to, Han said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, it was seen that they were in better appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. What a timely passage. What a, what a relevant passage for us today as we find ourselves living in this dark age. Here in Daniel chapter 1, we, we discover some important lessons. 
lessons for God's people. How can we live as exiles in this culture that we find ourselves in today? The first lesson that I want to highlight for us in our passage this morning is, uh, number one, we need to understand the dangers of the world. We need to understand the dangers of the world. By dangers, friends, I, I know this world is full of lions, tigers, and bears, oh my, and we're not talking about those kinds of dangers. When we talk about the dangers of the world, we are talking about the reality of the fallen world system that we find ourselves in. Friends, did you know that? We live today within a fallen world system. It goes back to Genesis chapter 3. In the beginning, and the fall of Adam and Eve, which brought the curse of sin upon this world, which brought the reality of evil and death and disease into this world, which brought about the spread of pride and hatred and jealousy and strife. All of that goes back to the very beginning. The fall of Adam and Eve when they rebelled against God and they disobeyed God and God allowed them to reap the fruit of their rebellion and their choice had consequences that would spread throughout the generations, consequences that we live with today. We live in the midst of a fallen world system. The apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 2 tells us about this fallen world system. And while it's easy to get upset with our governors and our presidents and our congressmen, Paul tells us, no, friends, our battle is not against flesh and blood. Ephesians 6, 12 says, but our battle is against spiritual forces of darkness in the heavenly realms. See, friends, we live in a fallen world, in a fallen world system where there are spiritual powers waging war against God. And these spiritual powers seek to corrupt and influence people to rebel and to live in rebellion against the will and rule of their creator. One of the ways they do this is by blinding us to the truth. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. He blinds us from the truth. We, we know what God has revealed, but, but our enemy, our spiritual adversary, blinds us from being able to see this truth. Friends, why do governors and state representatives and congressmen pass and promote legislation that is so opposed to God? It's because they're blind. They don't know any better. They're simply doing what fleshly, unsaved people do in their spiritual blindness. As a result of this spiritual blindness, the Apostle Paul in Romans 1, 18 through 32 says that because of our blindness, we end up exchanging the truth of God for lies. We, we trade God's revealed truth, the, 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 the revelation of our creator, the one who made us, we exchange that for lies, deception, Deception that leads to, to death. Jesus says in John 10, 10, that the thief, Satan, comes to steal and kill and destroy. That's his whole agenda for us, for our world. He wants to steal your joy, which is found in following God's word faithfully. He wants to kill your hope, and he wants to destroy your soul. That's his whole agenda. That's what we're talking about, friends. When we talk about understanding the dangers of this world, we're talking about the reality of this fallen world system in which we live. Make no mistake, you are in exile today. This world is not our home if you are a follower of God. We live in a foreign land. We live as exiles. 
And so we need to be aware of the dangers that come with living as exiles in a foreign country, in a fallen world system. Daniel chapter 1 here that we're in this morning shows us the age-old game plan for how Satan works through this fallen world system to try and lead God's people astray into false beliefs and sinful practices. These Hebrew Israelites are carried off into Babylon. These, These youth of Israel, the nobility of Israel, Daniel and his friends were probably between 13 and 16 years old when they were taken away to Babylon and brought into the Babylonian education program. Now again, what was the purpose of this? Why did the king take these noble youth of Israel, right? The most highly educated, the, the strongest, you know, right? The most physically fit. Why did he take them away? Well, number one, think about this, friends. You take these youth away, all right, as hostages. Do you think their people left behind, their families left behind are going to rebel against Nebuchadnezzar when their teenagers are standing in his court? So he's holding them captive as hostages, And then he takes the best and brightest of Israel because it's a brain drain on the nation of Israel. I'm going to take your best and brightest and I'm going to re-educate them into our worldview. And so now the people that we've subjugated and conquered are no longer going to have the intellectual capacity to even think about rebelling against me. And then I'm going to train them up in our worldview and make them emissaries of our worldview so that they can go back to their people and tell and encourage their people about how good our system is. See, Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonians, they weren't dumb, were they? He knew what he was doing. And look at the education program that Nebuchadnezzar ushered these four Hebrew youths into. Not just these four, but others, but we're told of these four. Daniel, Mishael, Hananiah, Azariah, and I think I got them all. Did I get all four? (laughs) (laughs) What What was this Babylonian education program? Number one, it began by isolating these Hebrew youths from their families. We're going to take you away. We're going to take you into a foreign land. We're going to strip you from all the influence of your family and your culture and your background. And then number two, we're going to indoctrinate you. We're going to teach you the ways of Babylon, the Chaldean literature, the Chaldean language, the Chaldean culture, the Chaldean religion, the Chaldean gods. We're going to teach you all of our ways, all of our ways which are contrary, by the way, to to God's ways. And after we indoctrinate you, what we're going to do is we're going to immerse you. We're going to give you the king's food and the king's wine. In other words, we're going to to lavish all the pleasures and privileges of life in Babylon upon you to help you realize just how good you have it here versus over there. And after we immerse you into our culture, we're going to redefine your identity. We're going to identify you not in light of who you were as a Hebrew follower of Yahweh, but we're going to redefine you in light of who we want you to be, in light of our culture and customs and values. And so what we find is they end up renaming these four Hebrew teenagers. Daniel is renamed by Nebuchadnezzar Belteshazzar. Daniel, whose name in Hebrew means God is my judge, is now given a new name. Bel protects his life. Bel is a term for Lord. Lord Marduk, the God of Babylon, is now my protector. 
And then Hananiah, whose name means Yahweh is gracious, his name is changed to Shadrach, which means servant of Aku, the moon god of Babylon. And Mishael, who is like Yahweh, his name is changed to Meshach, who is like Aku, the moon god. And Azariah, Yahweh has helped, is changed to Abednego, the servant of Nebu, the god of wisdom of Babylon. And so they changed their names to redefine their very identity, their understanding of who they are. An identity no longer rooted in the truth of Scripture and the truth of the one true creator God, but a new identity rooted in the false religions and false philosophies of Babylon. Friends, understand this morning, this world's education program hasn't changed a whole lot in 2,500 years, has it? You look at the Babylonian education program, friend, is that any different from our world's education program today? It's the same tricks, isn't it? We're going to try to isolate our youth from the influence of their family. We're going to indoctrinate them with an ungodly worldview. We're going to immerse them in all the sensual pleasures the world has to offer. And we're even going to redefine their identities, telling them that that you're not rooted in the image of God that you're created in. You're not a unique child of God but now your identity is rooted in things like your race and your sexuality and your, your fluid gender identity and all these false worldly philosophies that we see being promoted in our culture today. Friends, Satan hasn't changed his tactic in over 2,500 years. It's all about capturing the next generation. And so we need to be aware that this is the agenda of the fallen world system that we find ourselves in. It's the agenda for our youth. It's the agenda for each of us as adults. Friends, understand that when you sit down and watch TV at night, when you spend hours throughout the week looking at your smartphone and reading your social media, friends, there is a worldly agenda that's programmed into all of that. Every time you choose to take your eyes off of God's truth and turn to the philosophies of the world, the world is seeking to reprogram you. And remember what the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12. He says, be no longer conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right? There's a worldly system seeking to gain your attention and your allegiance, and there is a godly revelation given by your creator who loves you, seeking to gain your attention and your allegiance. And we have a choice in that. So we need to be aware that there is this fallen worldly system that we find ourselves in seeking to lead us into the ways of Babylon. So what do we do about this, friends? Well, this is where the second lesson in our passage comes into play. We we look, number two, we look and follow the determination of the faithful. We look to examples like Daniel and his three friends, and we follow the determination of faithful people. We, we let them be our guide. We let them be our model. Look at verse 8. Daniel and his friends are brought into this Babylonian education program. They're trying to be re-indoctrinated indoctrinated into the Babylonian culture and philosophy. But Daniel, in verse 8, we're, we, we read, Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or the wine that he drank. 
Daniel resolved himself that he might be in Babylon, but he was not going to be of Babylon. Daniel drew a line in the sand. The word resolved here simply means to set or to fix conclusively. And what Daniel does here is Daniel sets his heart to faithfulness. Daniel says, look, I am going to honor Yahweh whatever the price, whatever the cost. I'm resolved to this. I am setting my heart on this course. And there is nothing that is going to turn me away from it. There's nothing you can do. Daniel essentially says to the king of Babylon, look at you, you can take me, king. You can take me where you want. You can teach me what you want. You can even call me what you want. But I am only going to do what God wants. Man, we need more Daniels like that today. I might live in a foreign culture, a hostile culture, and I might go to school in a place that's teaching me unbiblical, ungodly worldviews, and I might be immersed in a culture that's trying to entice me with all the sensual pleasures of this world, and you can even try to give me a new identity and tell me my identity is rooted in all this Marxist baloney like my race and my orientation and my sexuality. You can try to do all that. But I know the truth. And when it comes to honoring God, I am only going to do what God wants me to do. Daniel was resolved. He set his heart to faithfulness. I couldn't help but keep coming back to Joshua 24, 15 this week as I was studying Daniel and his resolve here. Joshua, if you remember, when he led the people of Canaan into the promised land, the very first thing they do is they had a worship service. And they renewed their covenant with God. And Joshua says to the people as they enter into the promised land, he says to them, choose you this day whom you will serve. You choose right now. What's he talking about? He's talking about resolving your heart. Choose today whom you will serve. But guess what? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. He was resolved. Daniel was resolved to follow God no matter the cost. And again, the, the food issue, why was it the food? Why wasn't it school? Why wasn't it the name change, right? Like Daniel said, look, I can deal with all that. I know truth, okay? You can teach me all about the Babylonian religion and culture and customs. You can teach me all that stuff you want, but I know the truth. And you know what? You can even give me a new name, but guess what? I know who I really am in, in God, but guess what? When you ask me to do something that violates God's law, I can't do that. And eating the king's food would have violated God's law. It was unkosher. It wasn't prepared in the way that God commanded the Israelites to prepare their food. It wasn't the kind of food that God commanded the Israelites to eat. It was food that had been sacrificed to pagan gods in Babylon before it was offered to Daniel and his friends. God forbid that. And so Daniel said, look it, I can't eat your food. Give me, give me vegetables and water instead. I'll eat that. 
It's really interesting here, friends, when we think about the courage that this had to, had to take on Daniel's part, on his friend's part, right? Daniel, Daniel's courage here, not only is he standing up to the king of Babylon, literally one of the most ruthless guys in all of history, Nebuchadnezzar, a guy who, as we see from his own servant, the chief eunuch, what's he afraid of? He's afraid of if he honors Daniel's request that the king's going to chop off his head, right? So here's Daniel not afraid of the consequences. Even if it costs my head, I'm going to resolve myself to honor God. But he's not only standing up to the king, he's also standing up to the crowd. Because think about this. Daniel and his four friends weren't the only Hebrew youth taken to Babylon. But they were the only four who resolved themselves to honor God. Friends, that takes courage and conviction to stand up in the midst of the crowd and to go against the flow when everybody else says, oh, what's the big deal? Daniel says, no, it is a big deal because God has spoken, and I'm going to honor him. I started thinking this week, where did Daniel's resolve come from? Where did Daniel and his friends get this kind of courage? I think there were three factors that we can point to, friends. Where did Daniel's resolve come from? Three factors, factors that we need to embrace and bring and weave into our own lives today. The the first factor that, that led to Daniel's resolve was his background. Daniel grew up under the reign and influence of a king in Israel named Josiah. Now, Josiah wasn't the king who was finally conquered by Nebuchadnezzar. That was Jehoiakim, as we saw last week. Jehoiakim was Josiah's son, and Jehoiakim was a pagan rebel against God, and that was where God drew the line. He said, look it, I've warned you enough. I even gave you a dad like Josiah, who was one of the most godly kings in the history of Israel, Josiah brought about reform and repentance and revival in the nation of Israel, but his own son rebelled. But Daniel grew up under the reign of Josiah in this period where revival was breaking out in Israel, in this time where people were returning to God's law and teaching their kids the truth of God's revelation. We, we read in 2 Kings 23, 25 about Josiah, that there was no king like him. He turned to the Lord with all his heart, followed the law of Moses. This was the culture in which which Daniel and his friends were brought up. They were trained up in the ways of God. They had teachers that trained them up in the ways of God. And it wasn't just Josiah's influence, but that influence then spread down to his parents. Daniel had godly parents who believed in God and trusted God. How do we know that? We know that because they named their kid Daniel. Yahweh is my judge. And so Daniel's background played a huge part in his resolve to honor God. And you think about this, this reality, his, his king, his parents, friends. I, I look at this and I, I can't help but think, man, do our leaders matter? Do the ones setting the chart, setting the pace for a culture, do they matter? Absolutely, godly leaders matter. And does the influence of godly parents and godly family matter in a young person's life? Yes, it does. Profoundly. This is why we talk about here at Lakes Free our priorities in next generation ministry and family ministry, right? Because again, we know that it is our responsibility to help reach the next generation with the truth so that they will grow up one day to be like Daniel and his friends resolved to stand boldly for Jesus no matter what the culture throws at them. 
But that won't happen, friends, unless we as the church are coming around our kids and our young people supporting this vision, supporting this goal. And think about the responsibility that is ours. Friends, we need to be in this together for the sake of the next generation. Our kids are bombarded with a worldly system 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all right? Maybe not 24 hours a day. They come to church two hours a week. And the other 20, and the, you, know, the other, you know, the other 22 hours a day, they're in this fallen worldly system. Man, they better have strong parents training them up in the ways of God. They better have friends in the church supporting them. They better have adults coming alongside them and cheering them on and loving them and mentoring them and encouraging them. This is the only way, friends, that we will reach the next generation. We need to be in this together. And it breaks my heart when I think about the reality that even here at Lakes Free, we have young people desperate longing for adults to come alongside them and help them and encourage them and love them, and they're not there. And we got a nursery that's overflowing with kids because their parents want to come to church and study God's word, but they can't because we don't have enough nursery workers to hold their babies, and so they have to stay home instead of being here at church with us today. Man, what, what if we made it our vision and mission here at Lakes Free to say, you know, we're not going to let that happen. We're going to make sure that if there's a young couple who has a baby and they want to come to church and grow in their faith for the sake of their kids and the next generation, you know what? I can serve in the nursery one hour a month on a Sunday morning or two hours a month on a Sunday morning or maybe every week I'm going to feel called to do that. And I'm going to talk to Pastor Justin and figure out how I can come alongside the junior high kids and the high school kids in our church and, and encourage them and motivate them and champion, champion Jesus in their life. And friends, understand this. This is more than being a Bible study leader. You might be thinking, well, man, I don't know my Bible. I can't teach kids. They need a friend. They need a friend who loves Jesus. And you don't need to be the greatest Bible scholar in the world. You let me do that for you. You just come alongside them and love, Je love Jesus with them and show them the joy of following Jesus and teach them how to change a tire or change their oil or kick a soccer ball or play basketball. Friends, man, I tell you what, that makes a world of difference as we come together to work to reach the next generation. Daniel had that in his life. I think the second key factor in Daniel's resolve was his own beliefs, okay? So he grew up in this faithful background with godly influence in his life, and Daniel committed to following God's word. We, we read, for example, Psalm 1, 1 through 3. We read there, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked or stands in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. And guess what? When you do that, you're going to be like a tree planted by a stream of living water. And Daniel was that kind of a person. He had godly parents who taught him the ways of the Lord. He resolved to follow the ways of the Lord. He rooted his life in biblical truth. Daniel, friends, he knew all the prophets. He knew the Psalms. It was those biblical truths that buoyed him and sustained him as he lived his life in exile in Babylon. 
Daniel would live to be probably mid-80s, maybe 90 years old. We read at the end of our passage this morning that he served all through the Babylonian Empire, even into the Persian Empire. Over 60 years this guy lived and served in Babylon. He never went home. He never went home to Judah. But God's word sustained him. And even in a hostile culture, he was like a tree planted by a river of living water because he had God's word in his heart. Friends, how important it is for us to study God's word and to meditate on God's word and to embed his truths in our hearts. It's crucial. The third factor to Daniel's resolve, right? We see his background, we see his belief. I got a point to his voice. Daniel stood firm. How did he stand firm? I think one of the key factors was he had three friends with him. And these three friends cheered each other on. And the four of them together, man, they were a band of brothers that were willing to stand up even to the king of Babylon. You know what? It's hard to stand alone, but when you got your boys next to you, it makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? Look what the book of Proverbs says about having godly friends. One who is righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. And I could go on and on, dozens of passages like that throughout the book of Proverbs, talking about the importance of having godly friends and godly people in your life to support you, to cheer you on, to encourage you. We need that, friends. Women, you need that in your life. Men, you need that in your life. Young people, you need those kinds of friends in your life. Guys, there's going to be a great opportunity coming up this next month, February 11th. We're having a men's breakfast here for men who want to get in the battle for purity and honor God in the area of sex. And, 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 re, re, and resist the temptations of this world, the lies of the enemy. We're going to have a breakfast on February 11th. We want you to come to this. We want you to invite other guys to come to this. We want you to bring your teenage sons to this. Why? It's because we need to be in the fight together. You try standing alone against the onslaught of the world, man, you are in trouble. You stand shoulder to shoulder with a band of brothers. You can fight and win that battle. We need friends. We need our boys. We need our girls alongside of us to hold us accountable, to keep us faithful, to spur us on. Daniel had that, and it allowed him to live faithfully in exile with resolve. And then the third lesson we see this morning, we need to trust in the deliverance of God. I love what we read in verse 9, right after we read about Daniel's resolve. What do we, what do we discover that God does? God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the eyes of the chief of the eunuchs. God gave Daniel favor and compassion. Favor and compassion to hear Daniel's request. Favor and compassion to allow the test to go forward. Favor and compassion for Daniel and his friends to conquer the test. You give us vegetables and water, and we're going to trust that God's going to make us even fatter than all the other kids. And God honored that. 
God honored that request. God honored Daniel's faithfulness. God gave him intellect and strength and learning. And this was all a result of Daniel's resolve because the reality is God honored it. And he gave him favor and compassion. This is a biblical principle, friends. Understand this. When we honor God, he will honor us. Look at what King David says in Psalm 18. King David says, So the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. With the merciful, you show yourself merciful. With the blameless man, you show yourself blameless. With the purified, you show yourself pure. And with the crooked, you make yourself seem tortuous. For you save a humble people, but the haughty eyes you bring down. Friends, understand God honored Daniel because he was faithful. And God promises that he does the same for us. When we honor him, he honors us. And God didn't just honor Daniel because he was faithful. He honored Daniel because of the way that he carried out his desire to be faithful. Daniel did this like 1 Peter 3.15 talks about with gentleness and respect. He didn't seek to lead a rebellion against the king, right? He, he didn't seek to call the king names and, you know, disparage the king. No, he went with graciousness and gentleness and respect to the chief of the eunuchs and said, he put my God to the test because I'm resolved. I, I, I don't care what the cost is. I'm not going to dishonor God, but I'm going to respectfully ask you, to let me follow my God's ways and let's just see if I come out better at the end of the 10 days than the other boys. And God honored Daniel for that. See, friends, this is so important. Even when we don't like the course of our leaders and the direction that they're setting us against, right? The Bible tells us that we honor those in authority over us and we respond with gentleness and respect. And we do that, we stand faithfully, even if it costs us greatly. God honored Daniel. The reality is, when we honor God's way, he will make a way. And Daniel experienced this, his three friends experienced this. You might be thinking to yourself, well, Jason, that sounds all good, but you know what? I've been trying to honor God, and I don't see God making a way in my life. Let me remind you what Pastor Rick shared with us two weeks ago. Romans 8, God is for you. Even when you don't see it, even when you don't understand it. Romans 8, 28 says, God is working all things for the good of those who love him. Friends, there's always two sides to every story. There's the factual story and there's the actual story. The factual story is all the circumstances that you see going on around you. The actual story is what God is doing. And even when you don't see it or understand it, God is at work bringing about his good and perfect will for your life. And you can trust him. This leads me to point number four this morning. We need to hope in the distinction of the righteous. We see at the end of Daniel chapter one here, the reality that God always honors the righteous. God gave Daniel distinction in the eyes of King Nebuchadnezzar. He gave him great wisdom, great learning. In fact, we read here that he was 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. And Daniel was there till the first year 
of the reign of King Cyrus, 65 years, serving with distinction, four different Babylonian kings. God honored and distinguished Daniel because of his faithfulness. Understand this, friends. God always honors the righteous. And this isn't the false gospel of prosperity theology. This isn't all that health, wealth, and prosperity baloney that if you honor God, he's going to make you a millionaire and you're never going to get cancer. It's none of that baloney. God honors the righteous. And he honors you whether rich or poor, whether healthy or sick, whether in plenty or in want. God will never forsake you when you honor him. King David says in Psalm 16, 11, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. God honors those who seek to honor him. Friends, we may live as exiles in this world today. But remember, while we're exiles, we're also ambassadors for the king. And because of that, we can live with conviction. We can live with courage. We can live with hope. And our world today, man, I'm telling you, our world today desperately needs more Daniels. I want to dare you this morning to be a Daniel. Dare to be resolved like Daniel to say no matter where the world places you, no matter what they teach you, no matter what kind of perversion they try to immerse you in, Be like Daniel and say, you can take me where you want. You can teach me what you want. You can even call me what you want. But I will only do what God wants, no matter the cost. Friends, when you live resolved like that, I can promise you God will honor you for it. That's the truth that we see in the example of Daniel. Be a Daniel. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this encouraging and inspiring passage, the great example that we see here in Daniel, Lord. I pray that you would inspire us through his example to live faithfully in exile as your people. Lord, we look in this culture that we find ourselves in today, and it is a dark place. But you have put us here, Lord. You are sovereign over it all. You have a plan and purpose in all of these things, and you have called us to live faithfully. So, Lord, help us to live resolved like Daniel, to honor you, to live for you, to boldly declare your sovereignty and supremacy in the midst of this hostile culture we live in. And God, may our example of faithfulness inspire others to know that there is a God in heaven who loves us, a God who is worthy of our service and our praise. We need your help in this, Jesus, because this is a tough thing to do in this present dark age that we find ourselves in. But you promised to support us, to sustain us, to never leave us or forsake us. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would raise up an army of Daniels from this church who live faithfully to honor you, And may we see the reality of your sovereignty and sanctity and supremacy as we seek to do that, Lord. To you be all the honor, glory, and praise. Amen. Would you stand and sing this last song with us? Sing, I count on one thing. I count on one thing.
same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy. Yes, I will. Yes, I will. Let me leave you with these great words from the book of Hebrews chapter 13. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, amen. Have a great week, friends. Hey, friends, thanks for joining us online today. 
If you have further questions, are in need of prayer, or would like to give financially to the ministries of Lakes Free Church, I encourage you to visit our website, lakesfree.org. There you'll also find information regarding our upcoming events. You can access all of our past sermon series, along with a host of other valuable resources. If you're in the area, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our Sunday services or other events. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us, and may God bless you.